Hey Christ City, my name is Brett Landry. I'm part of the team here and it is my joy to be opening God's word with you today as we continue our series in the Sermon on the Mount. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 19 through 24. Let me read the passage for us. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness! No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, I want to ask you a question that you may have already asked yourself this week. I want to ask you the question of what if you lost everything? You may have asked yourself the question this week, what happens if I lose everything in the midst of this season? What if I lose everything? If you're a student, what if you lose that future opportunity that you've been working so hard vocationally to pursue? If you're an employee, what happens if you lose your livelihood? If you're a business owner, what happens if you lose everything you've built up until this point in your life? If you're retired, what happens if you lose that which you've set aside for this season of retirement? What if you lose everything? Listen, As followers of Jesus, if your treasure is where it should be and the affections of your heart are rightly focused and the foundation of your joy is grounded in the nature and character of the God revealed to us in the scriptures, I just want to say something to you today. You can't lose anything. For followers of Jesus, we might lose all of our material wealth. We might lose all of our health. We might even lose our very lives. But I'm telling you today, perish the thought of losing everything. Because if you're walking in relationship with Jesus, what you have transcends the TSX. It transcends the housing market. It transcends all of your here and now belongings. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're watching this, I want you to know that you're not watching this by accident. We're all going through this in the same way. But in all of our anxieties, I want you to know that God is speaking to you and he is calling to you and he's screaming out in love to you saying, come to me, come to me with all of our anxieties, with all of your burdens, with all of your cares and concerns about the circumstances around you that are riddling you with a lost sense of hope. I want you to know that he is with you and that he's calling to you. He's saying, come to me. He's saying, come to you, I'll give you joy, I'll give you peace, I'll give you healing, I'll give you wholeness like you never knew was possible. I'll take all the pain, I'll take all the weight, I'll take all the sorrow, and I'll exchange it for new hope and new life. What if I lose everything? I want you to know that in Christ, you can't. You can't. Because The everything that we're talking about isn't like the everything of the watching world around us. But we need to ask ourselves and we need to look at this text and allow this text to examine our hearts. We need to ask ourselves who or what has the affections of our heart. 
See, as shaky or as anxious as we might feel in this moment and as frustrated as we are that we feel shaky and anxious, I think God has a word of challenge and a word of encouragement and a word of comfort to us in this passage for every single person who's listening to this or watching this today. So Christ City, I want to ask you the question, where's your heart? What have you set your hopes upon? What foundation are you standing upon? Who is the anchor of your soul in the midst of this storm? Who's the source of your joy in the midst of this trial? See, if your answer is Jesus to those questions, then you need to hear me. You can't lose it all because your all is wrapped up in the one who pre-existed all things. Your all can't be lost because your all is wrapped up in the one who knows the end from the very beginning and who has never wasted a moment of crisis in our lives. So I would call us together then to lean into the storm and ask God together to form us into being the kind of people who can weather the storm with joy in our hearts and a message of grace and hope to the world around us on our lips. We're going to look at this passage under three key headings. We're first going to look at the treasure of our heart. We're going to look at the revealing of our heart. And then third, we're going to look at the response that this demands. First, the treasure of our heart, the revealing of our heart, and the response that this demands. Let's look back at the text at verse 19. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says in this passage, in these three verses, he says, Don't do that. He says, instead do this, and then he tells us why. He says, don't do that, instead do this, and then he tells us why. He says, don't do this. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. See, the treasures in our lives are not limited to our finances and our wealth and our money, but they're inclusive of our finances and our wealth and our money. And more rightly, I think Jesus is really talking about anything that we would use as the source or foundation of our joy and our security that could then be taken away from us, eaten up, stolen, or destroyed. These are our treasures. And he says, don't accumulate for yourself treasures. Instead, he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. See, our treasure, I think, is Jesus. Our treasure is to know him and to do the will of our Father. Our treasure is the union and relationship we have with God. Our treasure is the way that we love and serve him and the way that we love and serve others in his name. As my wife was telling our three daughters this week, we can't take anything with us but those who we have led to a place of encounter with the glory of God and the saving work of Jesus. We're not to store up treasures for ourselves on earth because we look past that. What we believe and what we value transcends that which we can take hold of here and now only, and it exists in a way where we 
live for and live into the relationship we have with God and those who we can then bring into relationship with him where they can spend eternity in joy and peace alongside us in the new heavens and the new earth. Our treasure is the way that we love and serve God and others in his name and really, at best, the rest is peripheral. And I think we need to heed the words of Jesus and not set the affections of our heart on that which may be taken from us, these transitory temporal things. It says in Luke's gospel, chapter 12, verse 13, it says, someone in the crowd said to him, speaking to Jesus, they said, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. See, the call of God in our lives means that we don't want to stand before him one day and be called fools because of the accumulation of our possessions here and now and that we loved our possessions here and now over and above our love for God and that we served and loved our wealth more than we served and loved God and others in our lives. And so Jesus says, don't do that. He says, instead do this. And then he tells us why, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In verses 19 and 20, we need to be reminded that Jesus is preaching a sermon to a crowd of people, to his disciples, surrounded by a crowd of onlookers who are listening to his teaching, and he addresses them as a community. But then in verse 21, we just need to notice this in verse 21 where it says, for where your treasure is, he's speaking not to the crowd, but to you, to me. He's speaking directly in the singular to us as individuals, asking us to examine our hearts by saying, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's speaking directly to you. He's speaking directly to me. And the question is a question of our ultimate treasure. What do I ultimately treasure in life? See, if Jesus is your greatest treasure, you need not be worried and filled with anxiety today, but you get to refocus your heart and your mind on the one who has promised to meet every single need in an ultimate way. It's the treasure of our heart. First, we viewed the treasure of our heart. Now, second, we need to look at the revealing of our heart. Look at verses 22 and 23 with me. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, I think this can be a confusing little passage, but what Jesus is saying here, when he says the eye is the lamp of the body, he's saying that the eye in this sense is the lamp that shines out that which is within It shines out that which is within. That which we are full of comes out in our lives in some way. He's saying that our eyes are kind of like a window. 
And what comes out, what can be seen through that window, what can be evidenced in the way that we live our lives is the true condition of our inner self. It means that when we face trials in life, when we face circumstances that are difficult, when we are facing uncertainties in life, what is really within us, what is really the true source and treasure of our hearts, it shines out in the way that we live. It's the revealing of what we are believing. And we all live according to what we believe. In a profound way, this global pandemic is not bringing any new issues into our lives. It's just exposing the issues that are already there in our hearts. There's no new issues that are coming into our lives right now. What's happening is the circumstances around us are revealing that which was already within. It's a revealing or exposing of the issues of the heart. There's a woman named Sarah Bournes who wrote a poem this week, a a prayer of confession of sorts that I want to read to you. She writes, We've all been exposed, not necessarily to the virus, maybe, who even knows. We've all been exposed by the virus. Corona is exposing us, exposing our weak sides, exposing our dark sides. Exposing what normally lays far beneath the surface of our souls, hidden by the invisible masks we wear. Now exposed by the paper masks we can't hide far enough behind. Corona is exposing our addiction to comfort, our obsession with control, our compulsion to hoard, our protection of self. Corona is peeling back our layers, tearing down our walls, revealing our illusions, leveling our best laid plans. Corona is exposing the gods we worship, our health, our hurry, our sense of security, our favorite lies, our secret lusts, our misplaced trust. Corona is calling everything into question What is the church without a building? What is my worth without an income? How do we plan without certainty? And how do we love despite risk? Corona is exposing me. My mindless numbing, my endless scrolling, my careless words, my fragile nerves. We've all been exposed. Our junk laid bare, our fears made known, the band-aid torn, the masquerade done. So what now? What's left? Clean hands, clear eyes, tender hearts. What corona reveals, God can heal. Come, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. These words impacted me because I'm going through this the same as you. These words help me to express the feeling of the anxieties and the exposing of the idols of my own heart. We treasure this exposing because we believe that as these things come to the surface in our lives, we can then run to the foot of Jesus, the feet of Jesus, the foot of the cross, and we can come and bring him everything, all of our shame, all of our hidden sin, We can come and bring it to him, lay it down, and know that he receives it, that he takes it, that he exchanges our mess with his righteousness, that he forgives us, that he cleanses us, and that he welcomes us home. First, we've looked at the treasure of our heart. 
Now, second, we've looked at the revealing of our heart. And third, let's look at the response that this demands. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. See, when the things that we truly treasure are revealed through circumstances and trials that come upon us beyond our control, we've got this beautiful problem in front of us, and the problem is that we need to refocus the vision of our lives on who or what we will ultimately serve. The gospel demands a response from us. And this text confronts us with the biggest question that we will ever answer. And the question is, who will we serve? Will we serve God or will we serve money? The text says we can serve God or money. Money is the word mammon. Mammon is riches personified and opposed to God. Mammon is if you think of it this way, is the personification of wealth whereby it takes on a personality and controls us. So the question is, who will we serve? And I get it, you're thinking, okay, are we really going to go and offer sacrifices to some small g god named Mammon in this season of our lives? And as crazy as that sounds, I think that's what people are actually talking about doing. Um, Many of you would have heard the comments made by Dan Patrick, who's the lieutenant governor of Texas this week, when he went on national news, and he suggested that perhaps senior citizens like himself would be willing to sacrifice their lives in order to save the economy for generations to come. As Jake Lefebvre, who's the pastor of Christ City East Vancouver, said to me this week, he said, we need to be very clear that sacrificing people to save the economy is the very definition of mammon worship. It sounds like making a human sacrifice to appease an ancient god, the god of war, the god of the harvest, the god of the rain, the god of the sun, the god of fertility, or the god of wealth. And it's just not ancient. We like to think that we've moved on, that we're this enlightened generation who don't think things like this any longer about making sacrifices, human sacrifices for the good of things like wealth or the economy, but this is happening this week. See, if the treasure of your heart, that that thing that you hold most dear in your life, if it demands the sacrifice of humans to keep it going, you've just missed the gospel of Jesus, and then your true heart has been revealed. The conversation about facing death to save the economy puts things in perspective as far as what we value in our culture. Sounds an awful lot like if I or or those I love can't be comfortable and wealthy and can't live the North American dream, then life isn't worth living at all. We have a choice to make, and the choice is this. Are we going to serve a treasure that demands you sacrifice the lives of others in order to preserve a particular way of life? Or are we going to serve a God who lays his life down for you that he might become your greatest treasure? The good news to us today is that Jesus was willing to do what mammon was not. When we were lost and broken and we did not know the way, Jesus Christ, our Lord, entered into our midst. He entered into our mess. He entered, entered into our brokenness. And he died an atoning death in our place so that we could be found and made whole. 
when we were lost, he came to us. Jesus emptied himself of his heavenly riches and he became poor that we might understand that he is our true and everlasting treasure. Jesus was broken so that we would be made whole. He laid his life down so that we could be assured of how we should choose today. Who will we serve? What will we treasure? Whose are we? John Stott, the great theologian, said, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? See, you're not going through this alone, and you are not walking with a Savior who is unacquainted with the grief that you feel in whatever area of your life has been exposed. He's aware, he knows, he's near, he's with you, he hears you, and he is for you. When he lays his life down in our place and for our sins to atone for our sin that we might be reconciled in relationship to God our Father now and forevermore, he's healing us. He's revealing that he is the ultimate treasure and he's calling us to come to himself. When he lays his life down and then he is soon raised back up in resurrection, in glorious new life, we would then be assured of the fact that he's with us and for us forever and ever more. And because he lives, we know that this trial will not be unto death, but it will be unto life. And because he lives, we can take our eyes off of all of this stuff going on around us, and we can begin to store up now our treasures eternal. See, we've had to be confronted with the true treasure of our heart. We've had to be confronted with the reality that our hearts have been revealed, and now we've had to be faced with the decision that trumps every decision. Who will we serve? Friends, what if I lose everything? I'm comforted by one of the disciples of Jesus who spent a lot of time with Jesus and who would have heard Jesus preach this Sermon on the Mount. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Two, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. See, our greatest treasure, the greatest treasure that anyone could ever take hold of, will never be eaten up, destroyed, or stolen. See, we have an imperishable, undefiled inheritance that is unfading and kept in heaven for us. And so when we are confronted with this question of what if I will lose everything, I'm telling you if you're in Christ, you can't. Let me pray. Father, I ask you that you would move in our hearts now, God, that you would lead us in your kindness to repentance in ways where we have treasured things more than your son Jesus. And I pray, Father, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon the Church of Vancouver, the Church of British Columbia, the Church of Canada, and the Church of the Nations, God. And I pray that you would bring us back to a singular focus in our discipleship and that we would honor you and follow you with all of our hearts. God, we confess our sin that we have been mixed in our devotion. 
and that the circumstances around us, Lord, may be drawing us back to a purity of worship before you. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us and strengthen us. Give us grace to persevere that we might flourish in this life now and forevermore. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Christ City Church in Vancouver, please visit ChristCityChurch.ca. We invite you to join us in praying that God's kingdom would come in Vancouver as it is in heaven.